You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Luna. Hi, Shannon. Today, we are talking about negative thinking and automatic negative thought patterns and thought loops and kind of our inner critic. Yeah, I think that this is such an interesting episode. Um, I feel like I want to just like from the get go, be honest that I was kind of excited about doing this this week because I am personally coming out of a negative thought spiral that went on for (laughs) a week or four. Um, so, (laughs) so, you know, and it's a battle I've done multiple times before, but I think so many people will relate to this negative thinking and, um, inner critic is something that I think everybody struggles with to some extent. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I definitely think a lot of people are going to be, be able to relate to this episode, especially because we're going to be talking about several different types of negative thinking and different ways that we experience our own inner critic. So if you don't resonate with one, you might resonate with another. And it is something really important to talk about. There's a ton of studies out there that show that the way we talk to ourselves or the types of negative thought patterns we get stuck in not only affect our our mental health, obviously, but can even affect our physical health. So it's definitely Mm -hmm. something that we need to practice kind of trying to recognize when it's happening so that we don't stay stuck in that thought loop for long. And after we've recognized it, knowing how to implement some things uh, in order to get us out of that loop. Yeah, very much. And I think that the way we have this set up today and the way we're, uh, the framework that we chose is going to be really helpful. Yeah, I hope so. So should we pull a card? Let's pull a card. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'll ask first, which deck are you using? <laughs> Tarot Vintage. <Of> course. <laughs> what are you using? I'm um, mixing it up a little bit. I pulled a card like moments ago from Golden Art Nouveau because that's my deck, but I feel like I want to work with Crow Tarot today because it's oh, kind yeah. of like trickster energy and that's so much of what this type of thinking is. So I'm going to pull from Crow right now, but I also already pulled. I love that. Yeah. Okay, card fell out, but I still want to pull one. Like, I feel like I need to actually pull. So I'm going to do that. What did you get? So the first one's actually very easy. I pulled uh, directly before I pulled from Golden Art Nouveau and I pulled the moon, which I think is like Aww. just almost you don't need to explain like classic. This is about yeah. um, being confused and being yeah. distorted. What I just pulled from Crow Tarot, though, um, I think not a secret, I tend to not pull in reverse. And somehow this one particular card was in the deck reversed. So I got Mm. reversed three of pentacles. Yeah. How about you? What did you get? So the card that fell out was temperance, but I wanted to Mm. pull again. And I'm so excited I did because I pulled the emperor. (laughs) 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 It's like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Right? Because temperance is telling us, okay, we need balance. Like what's factual versus like what's emotional. And the emperor is all about like this feeling of control. And I think Mm -hmm. automatic negative thoughts are in our critic. Um, The thought loops that we get stuck in are very much 
uh, rooted in us trying to feel in control of a situation. And we're, I don't want to get too much into the episode, but I do feel like, you know, that's our anxiety talking and wanting to control something or be able to predict something or, you know, be able to think about something that might happen so that we're ultimately prepared for it if it actually does. And um, it's all just a form of control. So I love that the emperor came out. And temperance is kind of like, hey, like, (laughs) don't stay in emperor energy because it's not going to be helpful. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny that like the way you're talking about that, because to me, emperor energy is sort of like the, I got this, like I'm confident in my thinking. I understand what's going on. Like I'm very clear on what's real and what's false and I'm not at all distorted. So like, to Mm. me, the emperor energy is like the goal. Interesting. Oh, I didn't see. This is why tarot is so cool because, and I love that we're talking about this right now because we're actually like, if you are in the symposium, our membership community, we're working on content right now in terms of different ways that you can learn to read tarot. And I feel like what we're experiencing (laughs) with the emperor right now is like really cool. and, And we should probably dive into that a little bit more for that training, but I can totally see where you're coming from Mm -hmm. for that. And I think it also boils down to maybe how you personally experience the emperor, which I don't technically have like a negative connotation with the emperor, but I guess as soon as I look at it, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, that's me trying to gain control of a situation, like, Mm -hmm. but not, not necessarily a positive way. Cause when I think of negative thinking, it's, Ooh, this is, you know, that kind of inner critic that that shadow side of me that's trying to swoop in and say, oh, look at all these bad things that could happen. Or did you think of this? Or did you think of that? And temperance just is like a much more calming card to look at. So I think, I wonder if maybe if I hadn't pulled temperance with the emperor, if I would have thought about the emperor in the way that you did. Mm. Um, Because when I look at temperance, there is this kind of sense of calm and, you know, with one foot on solid ground and one foot in the water, it's like, hey, let's figure out how we can balance everything that's happening Temperance rem- actually reminds me of the wise mind now. You hear yeah. us talk about that yeah. all the time on the podcast and on Instagram. We have our, our dialectical behavioral therapy spread, um, wise mind. So yeah, I think temperance with the emperor is really what formed that thought. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is super fair. I mean, it's just a question of like, how does it land for you? Um, emperor uh. is is overall a positive card for me. So like, I tend to read it always in a positive way, unless it shows up in reverse for some reason, aware of the shadow, but I tend to lean toward the positive reading of it. So it's just about personalities, I suppose. Which really makes sense for what we're talking about today. So I'm curious, tell me about your three of pentacles. Okay. I'm going to, but I'm going to go for a second back to the emperor, just like, because I want to, I think that for me, like I just realized the association and this really does have to do with like reading of tarot and personal associations. I think it's absolutely like we all read differently. Like we have a a shared language, but we all Mm -hmm. read differently. I just realized that that emperor, one of the connections I have with it is that he reminds me of a really beautiful therapist who I had many years ago, who was a male therapist who really helped me get clear really helped me get to a place uh, and like and he had like <laughs> not physically but emotionally huge emperor energy like he mm-hmm. just was like 
no. Like sometimes you just look at me and be like, well, that's just crazy, which like therapists are never <laughs> supposed to say that, but like so helpful. Like he would just yeah. like shoot it down and just be like, nope. I mean, like, and so that's like where I think that association is. So I just, I don't know. I just wanted to share that. My reverse three of pentacles, I feel like really speaks. I also feel like this is probably more of a personal card than a collective card. I think what it speaks to though, is the idea of when we have negative thinking or are trapped in a certain type of thought spiral, it blocks us from being able to work with other people. Totally. Or different versions of ourselves. Oh, that's pretty. Yes. Well done. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Totally misalignment. I love that you pulled that card because yeah, you're suddenly just like all out of sorts. Yeah. And when you're out of sorts and distorted and in your head, locked in a story about something, Mm. you just like, this is the truth. And like, then you can't work with other truths. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. And going back to your original interpretation, like you can't work with others. I mean, that's really getting into some of the main forms of negative thinking that we're going to be talking about today. I kind of want to just like hop into one of them, but let me name them real quick. We're just going to be focusing on personalizing, polarizing, mental filtering, and catastrophizing. But kind of what you're talking about in terms of that reverse three of pentacles sounds like this over personalization mm-hmm. of you have this negative story in your in your head about you know what's going on and now you are not able to collaborate with these people because you feel like maybe they're out to get you or they're working against you or they don't want you included in what's happening. I think that's a brilliant place to start. I love that you just connected it that way. Thanks for that <laughs> elegant transition. I That's exactly right. Personalization is something that like we see clinically all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the, boy, I feel like I spent a lot of time on this one, helping yeah. people kind of step out of their own mind. Like everything that's happening around you is not a about you. And that makes it kind of almost sound like, like people are like ridiculous, ego, ridiculously egotistical, but like, I guess they are me too. You too. Mm-hmm. Like we all experience yeah. the world through our own lens and it takes a certain amount of wisdom to learn like, this is not about me, but all of us is our first reaction is this is about me. Oh, you know, it's so interesting because when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about today, we had <laughs> we had a list of like five things and I think we switched it up a couple of times. But one of the things we were possibly going to record on today was the concept of self-preservation. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's what we're talking about right now. So it's so interesting. We had all these ideas and now I'm like, oh wait, we were going to talk about this, but we're talking about it now. It all really connects together. And there is that ego experience of needing to preserve the self. And when we feel like we might be attacked or when we feel like we might be in danger or when our flight or uh, fight or flight response gets kicked into high gear, there is this sense of everything kind of revolves around me. I have to protect myself. What is this person thinking of me? What is that person thinking of me? And it can be really overwhelming if left unchecked. I mean, I think that a great card for this is seven of wands. Oh yeah. Right. Like I think it's the, perhaps uh, like the perfect way of talking about this. I was going to say the perfect way, but like, I'll take that back (laughs) of when we are in that state of feeling heightened or we've been triggered in some way, we do sort of feel under attack and we start fighting back or, or readying to fight Mm -hmm. back, you know, like, 
this was something that this is the event that just happened to me. I got an email last week, one week ago today, that was actually a benign email, but did not read well. I will hold the other Mm -hmm. person accountable for not being careful with language. (laughs) Um, But boy, it was, it just hit me the wrong way. And I armored up and like mentally armored up and was ready to be attacked. And, you know, it kind of turns out that's not what happened at all. Wah, wah. Mm. Oops, silly me. But boy, I spent a lot of time getting, like, getting that wand ready to fight. Right. You know, and so right before I did something slightly different today, <laughs> I texted Luna right before we recorded a show or two. It's like, oh, this is really exciting. Normally, I'll just like pull four or five cards of, you know, kind of what will help guide you know, my views on, on the topic today. And I ended up pulling a card for each of these negative thought patterns. And then I ended up pulling a card to go with it that would act as kind of like a coping card, so to speak, or like how to address it. And the card I ended up pulling for this personalization was two of cups reversed, which is fascinating because it really is about this like rejection or this division, which is what you were just talking about in terms of, you know, I got this email and my experience was totally different than how it was maybe meant to be. So now there was this clear divide. And when there's this clear divide, I have my own landscape that I'm supposed to protect because this person has drawn a line and they can't come over and like mess it up. Or, you know, they've maybe said something that makes me fear that they're going to come over and mess it up. And then the card that I pulled as like the coping card is actually another wands card, but it was two of wands, Mm. which I think is perfect in terms of making sure that you're balancing this personalization because this two of wands could represent pausing (laughs) and taking a moment to really observe and analyze the situation. And one of the things that you and I, and like probably every other therapist talk about when we're talking about maybe over-personalizing is what evidence do I have to support the thought or feeling that I'm having? And is my thought rooted in fact, or is it something that I just fear might be true? I love this. Okay. First of all, like your little exercise that you're like, let me try it like this is like brilliant and so fun. Like so smart. <laughs> had me I had a lot all. of fun with it. So good. <laughs> but I love where you ended up with this. And this is, I think, why we yeah. love tarot. Sometimes tarot will just kind of like give us this wisdom. And we're like, oh, I would have uh-huh. never come up with that, but that's brilliant. I... That two of wands is such a great way of handling personalization. When we have that yeah. moment of like, somebody's had to get me or ah, bah, 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 like this yeah. is not me, you know, like to think, okay, pause, let's mm-hmm. realize my own power. I'm going to like couple that with like holding that world in the person's hand. Like I do have the world in my hand. Like I do have personal power here, but what I need to do is look out at the world rather than looking inward towards my feelings of hurt or pain or rejection. Yes. And it's just like the most beautiful anecdote for that. Antidote, not antidote. I can't say the words today. Yeah. Antidote. Antidote. Yeah. With a T. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking about it too, you know, because sometimes it's so hard to remove us from that thought though. And, you know, it's easy for us when we're not in that moment to say, oh, just shift your thinking. (laughs) And so, (laughs) right. Right. Like we've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So as I'm looking at this two of wands, I just realized this maybe that that world that this person is holding is actually some sort of a physical distraction too, in terms of 
uh, removing yourself from that internal experience of being on that like hamster wheel of just major discomfort. And that looks different for everybody. Sometimes it's you know, actually shocking your system. Some of the the things that I use, it's like run your hands under cold water to remove your, like Mm -hmm. get your thoughts literally out of your head and you create a physical sensation. Or a lot of people hear grounding techniques, you know, name five things that you see, hear, taste, smell, feel, which I hadn't thought of until we started talking about the two of wands, but it could also be an indicator of, hey, let's actually remove yourself from this internal experience and do something that's completely unrelated and going to shift your senses and from an internal experience to an external experience. I mean, I'm glad that you, because that's the pause. Yeah. I'm really glad that you offered some examples. I mean, I think that it is fair for us to point out that what we're talking today about is negative thinking, but I think that we really need to honor. It is very difficult to stop. It's possible to stop. And I really want to make that clear. It's possible to stop or to train yourself to do this less, at least turn down the volume on it. But yeah, like the idea of just stop thinking about it or snap out of it or like, well, you know, just like let it go is very difficult. You know, I'm so glad that you said that because it is, and it's something that takes years of practice to even Mm -hmm. make it become second nature. You know, I mean, even as therapists, I know I get stuck in thought loops all the time, but I've developed the skill to be able to recognize when I'm in that thought loop or when I'm taking something too personal and I can have a conversation with myself and say, God, I'm doing that thing again. This feels really shitty. What are some other alternatives? Or maybe I need to, you know, go listen to my favorite song so that I can collect my thoughts and then sit down and have a conversation with myself about what might actually be happening here. And that's something that I think we all need to have a little bit of patience with ourselves for because it is something that we have to learn. It's a skill. Yeah, very much so. It's a skill and it's one that I have practiced also for years. And, yeah, you know, this week I struggled with it. Okay, you know, but at least I could see it and understand it and that made it feel better. I think to that note, I'll sort of blend us into the next one because again, this week I felt it personally. And it's a word that I really love. The first time I heard the word, I was like, that's such a cool word. The word Mm -hmm. is catastrophizing, which essentially is when you anticipate the very worst thing. Like when something is like comes down, like you get an email or um, even before, like we're going on a trip or uh, like (laughs) there's a flu going around or whatever. If your automatic thought is to go to the very worst scenario, the very most impossibly worst scenario. And, you know, people get really attached to catastrophizing because there's like a superstitious belief there that if I catastrophize, I'm going to protect myself because I'm going to keep myself free. Like the worst thing isn't going to sneak up on me because I've already played it out in my head. We see that all the time. You really do. And something that was so profound for me to hear years ago was when you do that, if the thing that you're catastrophizing actually does happen, now you've suffered twice. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, damn. Yeah. And like, why do that to ourselves? And, you know, I, one of the cards, when I was pulling cards on all of these, I was, I was so excited because it was one of those days where Tara was just really 
kind of like had my back. I was like, I'm just going to give you everything that's so perfect for today. And the card I pulled for this was Ace of Wands reversed, which oh, <laughs> so perfect, ouch. right? Yeah. It's, yeah, ouch. Like feeling like you have zero options. There's going to be this sudden like horrible change or situation or thing that just like comes out of nowhere and you're defeated. So why bother? Because this terrible thing is going to happen. And (laughs) the card that I pulled as like the coping card for that was the sun, (laughs) which I was just cracking up about because, (laughs) you know, everyone who follows this knows I have (laughs) personal issues with the sun. Um, But I've been doing a lot of work around it and it was nice to see the sun show up with that Ace of Wands reverse because there is that reminder that, you know, in order to cope with catastrophizing, we do have to remind ourselves that the world is constantly spinning. You know, there there's always going to be a change no matter what, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I think the sun offers us this question of, does this, you know, catastrophic thought that I'm having help me grow? Because that's how I'm trying to view the sun these days, is like this life source. Does it help me grow or does it keep me dormant? Mm. I love that. You know, I was, I think I was on symposium writing about the sun the other day. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it ties in directly to what you just said. I mean, to me, I, I used to read my children this book when they were very small. It was called The Tumpta. And it, it's a Swedish folk tale. And then there was this like little gnome who walks around during on the Swedish farm in the dead of winter and visits the cows and the sheep and the children and like in the middle of the night. And it, it repeats the way a child's book does. And it says, winters come, winters go, soon it will be spring. And it keeps saying that over and mm. over and over again. And like, I, you know, used to say it to my kids, like just regularly. And I, to me, that's what sun card means more and more. The idea that winters come and winters go, but spring comes and it's, um, it's almost like aces energy in a way. It's sort of, there's like, there's a moment of a returning of good things. And it doesn't mean a promise of good things always. It's just that good things also show up along with bad things. And somebody who catastrophizes habitually does not like that idea. Mm. No, because they feel like they need to catastrophize in order to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's where a lot of work has to be done, especially in therapy. I mean, and there's I mean, sometimes that can take a year or more to practice realizing that you're not really preparing yourself for anything. You're, you're actually denying yourself the opportunity to, to live your life because you're so busy preparing for this thing that might happen that might be terrible. That's exactly right. And so I kind of want to talk for a second about the magician. Um, mm. We talk a lot on this show, or we have at times talked a lot about the idea of manifesting and how manifesting is actually not just a woo-woo concept, that there's actual realities of if we think about something positively or we visualize the results we want, we literally are more likely to get it. And I think yeah. that that's important to point out with catastrophizing too, that if you are constantly thinking about bad things happening, you know, I would imagine that you're inviting them in, in a way that's probably not wise. So I would sort of bring some magician energy into this. Like, what is it that you're trying to create? Oh, totally. And I mean, I love, you know, I like talking about the brain and that's exactly what you're talking about. And the magician is a good representation of that because what we think 
we actually strengthen in terms of like neural networks in our brain. So if you are constantly catastrophizing, you have programmed your brain. And this really goes for any of these negative thought patterns that we're talking about. The more time you spend in those, the more like neural networks you create for those to exist. So it's almost like you've created this, this map or this pathway for your brain to just easily drive through all of these networks of automatic negative thoughts and have no obstacles or barriers or stoplights. And I think what we're talking about is, okay, you have to create stoplights along the way. Otherwise, you're just driving without brakes. And that's not good. I love the way you just talked about that. It was um, so, so helpful. I'm going to throw down the phrase self-fulfilling prophecy, which I think people use in common, (laughs) you know, common talk, but also we use clinically, like it's an actual clinical Mm -hmm. term being self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is what we see. I knew a person many years ago who was try like was in a place of not ready to block a phone call from somebody was not ready to block the person but didn't want to answer it and literally put a picture of a stop sign as the profile yeah. picture for the person so that they would see like stop and i think that yeah. like you talking about creating stop signs is really important yeah you know i love i love that that's actually i've never heard that as like an intervention before that's really cool for for setting boundaries when you maybe are feeling guilty or like you're not allowed to. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, talking about catastrophizing, I feel like naturally flows into one of the other types of automatic negative thought patterns, which is this concept of mental filtering, Mm -hmm. which is essentially when you are hyper-focusing on the negative aspect of a situation or just a negative situation in general, and almost like refusing to identify or acknowledge the positive aspect or something helpful that's also happened in conjunction with something negative. Yeah. I mean, like I go immediately to four of cups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's and it doesn't one. have to be, I mean, like we've talked about four of a cups, like it's an interesting card cause you can read it a whole bunch of ways, but you know, the sort of way, like the idea of this person sitting under this tree with this wonderful gift being offered from the heavens above and the person sitting cross-armed and refusing it feels like it kind of yeah. fits into this mental filter. I mean, like it is, it's kind of like a lesser version of catastrophizing in a way. Yeah. It is just this sort of like, I am picking to like the parts oh my god I will see this like even like when my when my kids will get in the car on the way home from school like sometimes they'll pick out all the good parts of the day and sometimes they're just Mm -hmm. in a crap mood and I hear all the terrible things and then it's like oh and I got 101 on my math test I'm like um like you could have mentioned that too Right. I love that you gave that example of your kids because this is something that I actually tell like parents or even I tell people who are just in relationships to ask questions a certain way yes. because if we just <laughs> say right because if we just say things like oh how was your day like especially with kids they're gonna be fine like or it was terrible or I had a math test and I hated it but if you say tell me something that you were excited about today or tell me something that you felt really proud of today or tell me something that made you laugh today 
you're going back to those neural networks I was talking about, you're helping that person, that child, your partner, honestly yourself, develop those kind of stop signs. And now you've created a fork in the road. It's like, okay, now your brain is allowing you to go to the left instead of always going to the right or, you know, vice versa. I think, I just feel like you're offering all this like wonderful practical advice today. Thank you. Because that is like actually like brilliant parenting advice, also good partnering advice, but like particularly for parents, like that is so good. Like ask the questions you want to ask. And I mean, mix it up. Don't always ask the same questions, but yeah, go a direction. This also goes back to an episode we did previously about gratitude. This is why the gratitude practice works because we are so used to being negative. I mean, like our culturally, we're so used to complaining. We're so used to like being negative about things and being negative about things is actually like really funny. Most of our humor is based in negativity and that's Mm. just how we roll. So to intentionally say, I'm going to look for things to be grateful for. I'm going to look for things that are beautiful. I'm going to look for things that were exciting. I'm going to look for highlights in my day. It seems, it almost seems on the one hand, almost foolish, perhaps dangerous or ridiculous and silly but it's actually Hmm. one of the most challenging things that you can do. And one of the most mentally strong things you can do, but it's very easy to dismiss it. And I think it's challenging because it doesn't always feel safe. Mm -hmm. I go back to that emperor that I pulled in the beginning and my kind of personal interpretation of like needing to be in control or aware of, you know, anything that could potentially go wrong so that you feel equipped to manage it. And I have like three cards that, want to talk about briefly based on what I had pulled for this particular thought pattern and everything that you just said. I feel like based on what you just said, I want to go also go back to temperance where, yeah. you know, how do we find that, that perfect, that flow and not being able to dismiss the automatic thought patterns and being able to almost show gratitude to your brain in a way for saying, Hey, thank you for trying to keep me safe. But like, I don't really need this from <laughs> you right now, <laughs> you know? So, cause you know, gratitude can go both ways. Gratitude in terms of like what's going well right now and what you feel really kind of solid in and gratitude for just, you know, having a, a functioning, a functioning brain. The card that I ended up pulling for, this particular thought pattern was the lovers reversed, oh, which yeah. totally makes sense because there's like, I feel like that card reversed is really about this, this pressure for everything to go exactly right. And it's pointless if things don't go exactly the way you want them to. And it's kind of representing this need for immediate gratification. And then the coping card that went along with it was the king of cups which I love I'm so because glad you brought up King of I Cups. Think the King of Cups is saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. This it's like, King, like this whole totally episode of King of Cups. Like it's the, the whole thing. I've been yes. holding the card the whole time. Have you really? I have. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely about kind of like being able to validate the experience, but then reframe the experience and the thoughts and the feelings in a way that's like palatable though. And like affirming without being dismissive. Uh, I think, oh, so nice. So nice. I'm so glad that card, I'm like bursting with excitement <laughs> over that. Um, and I think that the way you talked about that reverse lovers is so interesting too. I might um, throw into this the seven of cups, 
Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, I think that mental filtering does sort of, um, this is not the classic definition, but I think that we see it of, um, it's not just sort of picking the bad things out, but it also could be sort of picking things to line up with any sort of storyline that we have. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that I see this all the time with clients who are trying to date, that they have a story about what it's supposed to be rather than allowing it to be something interesting or something that I can yeah. learn from, but they want it to kind of go like this. We see that sometimes with parents. Um, like mm. I want my kid to be this way, you know, and like it kind of wrecks it when we go into any experience with preconceived notions, like I fantasies in our head of how mm-hmm. things are supposed to be. And then, Oh, it's awful and terrible when it doesn't line up with the daydream I had. I love the way you just, talked about that. And uh, I almost, I go back to the emperor again. I love that the emperor came out because it is about like this need to control. You have this, this narrative that, and the, what you said earlier about the self-fulfilling prophecy, this having this particular narrative and feeling like it has to play out exactly the way you, you imagined it to play out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it takes, I'm going to go back to that two of wands. I mean, we've pulled, I have all the cards in front of me that we've pulled and like, (laughs) we've pulled some, like some hot cards here that two of wands feel all of the twos. Are we noticing that? Like all of the twos? Cause like Mm -hmm. we could also pull two of swords into this so easily. The twos seem really connected with this. I love that you just said two of swords. I just picked my deck up and turned it over and the card at the bottom was two of swords. (laughs) (laughs) That's so, yeah, because it's like, you're almost like you're at this like crossroads and you've got this ocean of emotions behind you and you've got the moon and you're blindfolded and, oh, it's just, it's an, it's really a lot of work good work once you're in it, but it doesn't, it doesn't always feel good. And there has to be this layer of kind of realism to know that when you are acknowledging that you are stuck in some of these thought patterns, getting out of them is not going to be fun, but figuring out how to is totally worth the discomfort that you feel in the meantime. I mean, absolutely. I think I'm going to land on the other card that I've been holding this whole time. And King of Cups was like sitting there the whole time, but I think Star fits into Mm. this perfectly like what we want to do what we do with their as therapists is people come in then they display these four types of thinking and we have to do the fourth one still but they display that and what we try to do is move people to the star which is an echo to temperance right one foot Mm, in on land one foot in water and being able to find a balance but in the balance this is why star card is interesting it sort of has those elements but the key part is the star the key part is being able to actually see clearly and this is mental distortions that we're talking about this is not seeing mm-hmm. clearly but people who are thinking this way think that they are seeing clearly oh yeah i love that you said that people think that they are and that honestly everything you just said segues beautifully into the other one, the last one we wanted to, wanted to talk about today, which is polarizing, yeah. which is really, you know, kind of all or nothing. You only see something as good or you only see something as bad and there is no middle ground. And, you know, getting to the star is, and I go back to that wise mind example, like the wise mind is that perfect middle ground. And it's all about learning how do you exist 
knowing exist, knowing that there are going to be bad thoughts, you're never going to be able to get rid of them. It, it's just a byproduct of being human and having a functional brain and putting in the work so that you're able to see another viewpoint or experience another way of thinking and acknowledge that both are there for a reason, but try to be in that middle ground. I mean, I think you just so well said, that's like exactly what we're striving for and polarizing, like sometimes referred to as black and white thinking, mm-hmm. um, is something, oh, I almost want to pull the devil on this one. Oh yeah. yeah. I can see that. I mean, it's, it's a safety mechanism that our brain does of mm-hmm. wanting to sort. It's also very young. Like if we talk about, um, Oh, that's interesting. We talked a couple of weeks ago about, um, the theorist Piaget, who we don't talk about really very often, but like this is a stage in childhood development of sorting. Um, Mm -hmm. We see this in kids, like they sort of get into like collecting things like matchbox cars or whatever. And then they're into like sorting them. I mean, like think back to your own childhood, you probably had Mm -hmm. some sort of like sticker collection or like something and you enjoyed like categorizing them and sorting them. This is also like scratching the itch of people who love spreadsheets. (laughs) And, but when we do that, it's sort of this emotionally stuck place that's very young of wanting Mm -hmm. to categorize things as good or bad. And in its extreme forms or in its sort of most mm, distressed forms, we see that a lot in personality disorders of like, it's this, it's all this, or it's all that. And temperance or star or any of the twos remind us that we really need to have balance. Oh, I was going to talk about devil. I'm sorry. I think that this card to me does link to the devil because it's so easy to get caught in that thought and say like, no, that's bad. Whereas Mm -hmm. really it's kind of like there is some movement on that. Yeah. You know, the card I ended up pulling for this negative thought pattern was the eight of cups. And Mm. so I'm sitting here, I'm staring at it. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I love that this card came out for this because when you look at the eight cups, there's this awkward gap (laughs) where, so they're not lined up perfectly. And when you said, Oh, this is very much like, you know, someone who loves spreadsheets. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is great. Because, because these car, these cups are not perfectly lined up. You see the person just walking away and essentially giving up, even though those even though the eight cups are there and all you have to do is spend a little bit of time, which the card, the coping card that I pulled with it was the queen of pentacles, which I love because I feel, yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like that card is saying, you know, what needs to be tended to right now? What needs to happen in order for you to feel more comfortable in this situation? And that's maybe figuring out how to move some of those cups over a little bit. So it does feel or look perfect to you, but just because your first go around meant that, you know, the cups weren't perfectly aligned doesn't mean that you have to give up. That's a distortion. It's not true. You don't have to live in that space. Such an interesting interpretation of eight of cups. Like, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That was really super interesting. I think we could view it through a more traditional lens though, right? Yeah. Of sort of saying like, I really like that you pointed that out though. Like I can't like unsee it now. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's like really actually incredibly clever. And like, you're right. Like maybe the person's like, huh, I don't want to. But I mean, the traditional right. meaning of eight of cups is sort of like saying like, I just don't need these cups. Like there's something more for right. me in this world. And I think that that's like another message that you can take from this is like, look, why are you worrying about the cups? Like, mm-hmm. th- Like there's a whole world out there. Go and enjoy the world. Let's not get, worked up about the cups not being in alignment. 
Oh, you know, now that I'm looking at Eight of Cups more, I go back to when we were talking about kind of physical acts that you can take in order to remove yourself from that thought loop. And maybe the Eight of Cups is also saying, hey, step away from the situation, go do something else, and then come back to the thought. If, you know, the stack of cups represents, you know, your thought loop, like get out, go. It reminds me of um, one of my favorite scientist is Andrew Huberman and he runs the Huberman lab. You should check out his his content. He's got a podcast, I think, and um, a YouTube channel. He's fantastic. But he talks a lot about how when we get stuck in uh, an anxiety, which all these automatic negative thoughts are very much rooted in, in different forms of anxiety, we need to allow ourselves to kind of experience, maybe two of wands, go back to that, or three of wands experience a wider vista in order to kind of reprogram our brain in a way to say, to say, okay, Hey, there's way more out there. I'm stuck in this very kind of like narrow way of thinking and experiencing something. And this eight of cups is really indicative of that, of going out and really looking at the rest of the world in this, this beautiful vista of like mountains and water and removing yourself from a situation that's not helpful and maybe not even rooted in truth. I love that. I mean, like, and I'm throwing back to two of wands in my brain. Um, yeah. I also want to pull out the hanged man. Um, oh, of course. Right. And which I think echoes yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Like, let's turn yourself upside down, let the blood rush to your brain and see the world in a completely different way. At the same time, let's remind ourselves that this is uncomfortable. I absolutely do not want to force myself to hang upside down. Right. Even if it's, going to be good for me and it will change my way of being. Yeah. And that hanged man, I love that you brought that up because that's that other kind of physical representation and reminding yourself that you're going to have to practice several of these things that we talked about and a million other things that we didn't talk about and just finding which of these processes work best for you because there's no kind of one size fits all. It's just figure out what feels right to you and um, what works best based on whatever thought loop you're stuck in. I think that that's right. And I think that this is a moment to kind of like give nods to tarot and to self-help work and to therapy, you know? And yeah. I think if you, if you are recognizing something as we're talking and you're like, oh my God, I do that all the time, <laughs> you know, like awareness is a great first step. Yeah. Turning to tarot, I th- honestly think can be incredibly helpful or could not be helpful if you're sort of like, bringing this type of thinking into the cards and you're using the cards in these ways, like I would challenge you to consider other voices for the cards. I would encourage a gratitude practice as sort of a way of counterbalancing it. But I mean, like really this, these are burdens that again, many people carry and are very difficult to break free from. And I think that seeking help of finding a therapist who you trust, who would help you see through some of this type of thinking is not a bad idea. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.